One of my favorite kinds of experience, which is increasingly rare as I get older, is to hit it off with a new friend, talking for hours about ideas and discovering what you have in common. Each of us clearly and vulnerably likes the other and wants them to be at ease. Every idea or common reference breaks open the space of conversation into new directions, and there are far too many choices to take hold of. I'm like a child on Christmas morning. Which present do I open next? It must be like this to be an experimental jazz musician and meet somebody who is perfect to jam with. Each new rhythm or melody inspires exciting new avenues to groove down. It feels empowering. But why isn't it like this all the time? What is it that makes interactions awkward or uncomfortable? Rather than knowing what to say, having a hundred different directions to take the encounter, you struggle to come up with even one, frozen. Rather than a dance, there is an element of dangerous combat. Don't say the wrong thing. Don't make the wrong move. Here it is unclear what the other person wants. This person doesn't like me. There is some complex of motives, known or subconscious, in this interaction that poisons the possibility of connection. Is it me? Is it them? Whatever it is, it doesn't feel good. It feels disempowering. I just encountered a paper called What Binds Us? Interbrain Neural Synchronization and Its Implications for Theories of Human Consciousness by Anna Lucia Valencia and Tom Froese. The abstract caught my attention because it sounds pretty preposterous. Nevertheless, the research to which the paper refers is very interesting, and it might shed light on the feeling of connectedness or disconnectedness we experience in social situations. Here's the abstract. Quote, the association between neural oscillations and functional integration is widely recognized in the study of human cognition. Large-scale synchronization of neural activity has also been proposed as the neural basis of consciousness. Intriguingly, a growing number of studies in social cognitive neuroscience reveal that phase synchronization similarly appears across brains during meaningful social interaction. Moreover, this interbrain synchronization has been associated with subjective reports of social connectedness, engagement, and cooperativeness, as well as experiences of social cohesion and self-other merging. These findings challenge the standard view of human consciousness as essentially first-person singular and private. We therefore revisit the recent controversy over the possibility of extended consciousness and argue that evidence of interbrain synchronization in the fastest frequency bands overcomes the hitherto most convincing skeptical position. If this proposal is on the right track, our understanding of human consciousness would be profoundly transformed." Unquote. Whoa. Hold the presses. The author said that large-scale synchronization of neural activity has been proposed as the neural basis of consciousness. Okay. I've spoken at some length on this podcast about why I think large-scale synchronization is not the neural basis of consciousness. Others think it is. Fair enough. I could be wrong. They say this interbrain synchronization is associated with subjective reports of connectedness, engagement, and cooperation. Fine. That in itself is interesting. But then they go on to claim that these findings challenge the standard view of human consciousness as essentially first-person and private. Wait a second. The problem of consciousness is the problem of subjectivity. How can it be like something, subjectively, to exist in the universe? That's the question we seek to answer. If there were something going on between two different brains which caused each system to mirror the other, even if it were totally new and unknown mechanistically, it would not imply that the two minds had become one. It would not imply that the two instances of consciousness would have ceased to be separate things. 
Let me provide some more of what Valencia and Froese have to say before I get into my analysis and tell you my opinion of it. They write, quote, The continuous modification of internal oscillatory dynamics is not limited to an individual's interaction with the physical environment. A growing body of research examining neuronal processes in interacting individuals has revealed that social dynamics also play an important role in neuronal rhythms. For example, studies have revealed that individuals on the autistic spectrum disorder, who often have substantial problems connecting socially, show a lack of neural synchronization with others. Furthermore, tasks requiring cooperation, coordination, and joint attention in non-clinical individuals demonstrate that greater interbrain oscillatory synchronization is associated with enhanced performance and can predict team efficiency and that tasks with a greater need for cooperation are associated with a higher level of interbrain synchronization. The behavioral gains associated with higher interbrain synchronization subsequently make hyperscanning, and in particular EEG-based hyperscanning, specifically relevant for evaluating the neural oscillatory dynamics associated with social interactions. As with other techniques, EEG-based hyperscanning is carried out during real-time interaction paradigms. Most commonly, the paradigms used include tasks such as playing guitars and duets, imitation tasks, visual search tasks, cooperation competition games, verbal or motor interaction, amongst others. Each member of the group or dyad is instrumented with the desired scalp electrode channels from separate EEG devices, and all devices are controlled through an online server so as to make sure neural recordings run in parallel. A key advantage of EEG-based hyperscanning is that it is capable of maintaining high ecological validity while capturing changes in the phase relationship between oscillatory signals of individual brains in the millisecond range." Unquote. I find this research fascinating, but not necessarily in the way the authors do. As usual, when I quote these passages from peer-reviewed papers, I don't include all the references that you would see if you were reading the paper yourself. The authors cite plenty of studies here, and I'm going to assume that the studies were performed well and do in fact show interbrain oscillatory synchronization. How this is accomplished mechanistically is unknown to me because I haven't read all these studies. I don't know the leading hypotheses here. Note though that some studies looked at autistic people and showed a lack of neural synchronization with others. That's remarkable. It suggests that our experiences of being in sync with other people when we are getting along, sharing the same vibe, and cooperating with one another is accompanied by an alignment of neural signatures. So when we feel disconnected, there might really be something to that we might be picking up on a failure to synchronize. Valencia and Froese write, quote, Besides revealing that synchronized brain activity is neither due to a shared environment nor to similarities in stimulus input or motor output, EEG-based hyperscanning studies show that functional links appear across participants' brains during cooperation, but not during competition or individual yet simultaneous task performance. For example, pilots and co-pilots in flight simulations where the environment remains the same but the need for cooperation varies throughout the task, exhibit high interbrain connectivity during cooperative phases, takeoff and landing. Such interconnections break down during cruise when the two participants act independently. Another clue that such findings are not due to confounding factors but are instead a marker of real synchronization, connectivity between random couples proved non-significant compared to real couples. More interestingly, non-cooperative interactions can be predicted during the decision-making phase of a computerized cooperation competition game, where individuals can either decide to cooperate, defect, or choose a tit-for-tat strategy to punish the other player for previous non-cooperative behavior. 
Prior to making the decision, defector couples already show significantly less interbrain connectivity than couples playing cooperative or tit-for-tat strategies. Interestingly, it's been suggested that this task requires a higher understanding of the other's intentions when participants decide to cooperate or punish. Additionally, not only does cooperation foster interbrain synchronization, it appears that believing you are part of the same team has also an effect on hyperconnectivity. In a study with four participants playing a card game in two competing teams, where to control for motor activity, experimenters assisted the participants on moving the cards, strong functional connectivity was observed between subjects belonging to the same team, but not between subjects from different teams. Similarly, pairs exposed to a context that represents an in-group threat have higher levels of interbrain synchronization during a coordination task than those exposed to outgroup threats or in-group no-threat control conditions. Importantly, this connectivity only appears when pairs are required to coordinate with a human partner and not a computer." Unquote. They claim that shared environment is ruled out by these studies, and they could be right, but clearly the social environment, social cues, and communication are part of the environment in which we operate. These results might be surprising. I don't I don't know about them, but they don't necessarily impact our understanding of consciousness per se. If you and I are doing something cooperative while our brain activities are being monitored by EEG, we should expect, based upon these studies, to see some parallels in oscillatory activity. But I am still me, having my experience, and you are still you, having your experience. The suggestion of this research is that the commonalities we are having to each other in subjective experiences are correlated with commonalities in neural activity. That part is no surprise, really. The surprise is that they are synchronized to one another in time. Perhaps we can sense that, and it makes us feel connected. Valencia and Frost write, quote, Although several experimental paradigms do not explicitly take into account participants' experience, those that do have yielded interesting results. First, feelings of cooperativeness between participants appear to mediate the level of neural synchronization during cooperation. Additionally, feelings of engagement, affinity, empathy, and social closeness can be predicted by the level of interbrain synchronization. Neural synchronization across pairs is also negatively associated with an individual's reported attachment anxiety and experience of pain, while it is positively associated with accurately rating another person's pain experience. Interestingly, the feeling of another person's touch or pain has been repeatedly reported in interbrain studies, where a person's own affective pain circuitry is activated while viewing another person receive painful stimuli. Most importantly, shared pain experience has also been related to self-other confusion and appears to be absent in people in the autistic spectrum disorder, which further supports brain-to-brain -brain synchronization as a mechanism for sharing a social world." Unquote. I wonder if this is uniquely human or a primate thing. We are highly social creatures, and the discovery of neural synchrony among individuals engaged socially is an important one. You've heard of mirror neurons, and human beings, at least most of us, are clearly capable of empathy. The surprising thing that this research suggests is that empathy might be measurable in the lab. Allow me to share one final section from the paper regarding the conclusions that Valencia and Frost are prepared to draw. The authors write, quote, if the basis of consciousness is at the level of large-scale interactions of neural oscillatory activity, the modifications of oscillations that appear during meaningful social interaction and their relation to the experiences of social closeness result in a shift in our understanding of human consciousness. Although a still-debated proposal, an extension of consciousness could be possible in light of these findings. Inactive and participatory approaches to social cognitive neuroscience view cognition as an interactive process challenging the individualist notion of the human mind. 
These approaches establish the association between an individual, the world, and others in terms of non-linear interactive dynamics. The boundaries that distinguish self from other, instead of being fixed and hard-won, are under constant renegotiation. They are observed as a result of self-organizing processes, which can also occur at a social level depending on the nature of the interaction. Interestingly, the interbrain synchronization found does not appear to have an overall frequency, region, or task specificity. This potentially places embodied interpersonal interaction in general as playing a fundamental role in shaping joint experience and move social cognition away from the head." Unquote. I think the authors go way overboard here. Ultimately, the argument they make goes something like this. Consciousness is a phenomenon of neural synchrony. Neural synchrony occurs between multiple brains under certain social conditions. Therefore, consciousness might occur across multiple individuals. That is a very radical conclusion. I suggest a different conclusion from these studies. There is a debate over whether neural synchrony is the key feature of brain activity which accounts for consciousness. Suppose we took the position that synchrony in the brain should directly correlate with consciousness. We could look at the thalamocortical system during states of consciousness and states of non-consciousness and find the contrast. Likewise, individuals interacting with one another in a cooperative, engaging way are nevertheless each having their own subjective experiences. The fact that the two brains are showing synchrony of activity should cause us to be skeptical that synchrony is a key feature of consciousness. This is because we see this synchrony occurring between two separate systems which do not share a conscious state. Synchrony might be very important to social cognition, but it appears to not be a special feature of unified consciousness. If neural synchrony like this can occur in totally distinct brains as they interact, but without there emerging a new multi-personal conscious mind, then it probably can occur between regions of the same brain without the emergence of a single person conscious mind. As far as I'm concerned, these studies are evidence that consciousness is not a phenomenon of neural synchrony at all. This is an independent evidentiary line from my other reasons for doubting the centrality of neural synchrony to consciousness. I think there's some confusion between the concepts of functional integration and functional synchrony. They can co-occur, but they are not the same thing. According to my theoretical framework, the temporally integrated causality landscape, functional integration is key to the formation of a conscious system. Synchrony is not. Integration, as I mean it, is what occurs when the elements of an interconnected system exhibit cause and effect upon all of the other elements over some time frame. Synchrony in neural network activity does not generally work like that. Suppose we had a small network of a few excitatory neurons, A, B, and C. If they're highly integrated, then action potentials from A, directly or indirectly, exhibit influence on B and C to fire action potentials too. The same is true of each neuron with regard to its partners. Maybe they're arranged in a circle, so A influences B to fire, which influences C to fire, which influences A to fire again. Obviously, real neural networks are far more complex than this model. Nevertheless, I would call these neurons capable of functional integration, but they are not synchronized, are they? A fires, then B, then C, then A again, and so on. They could be organized differently, though. We're pretty limited in a three-neuron model. But for example, neuron A could directly connect to both B and C, with C feeding back onto A. You get the point. In the real world, we are talking about millions of thalamocortical neurons. In the example I provided, they are not firing synchronously. How might they be induced to fire synchronously? Well, given neurons A, B, and C as our excitatory network, let's add an inhibitory neuron D. Inhibitory neuron D suppresses the activity of the neurons in its vicinity by releasing its neurotransmitter in response to its own action potentials.
Thus, when neuron D fires an action potential, it suppresses A, B, and C synchronously. This might temporarily halt their capacity to fire, so they will be intermittently and co coordinately capable of firing. In this case, a degree of synchrony has been imposed. Interestingly, this is the sort of thing that occurs when we are put under general anesthesia. Yeah, loss of consciousness. Thalamocortical networks under anesthesia are highly synchronous, but highly disintegrated. I'm not suggesting that the research reviewed here is uninteresting. On the contrary, I think it's really compelling. I just think Valencia and Froese are making a mistake in the direction of their conclusions. We may be much more socially intelligent than we know, and I'm excited to learn how. What are the mechanisms by which we come to exhibit interbrain synchrony? Can we modulate them with drugs or other interventions? What happens when we take MDMA, for example? Are we enhancing interbrain synchrony? I'm sure you've noticed that forces driven by social media, the news, and politics have been acting to drive us apart from one another. I hypothesize that social media as an instrument of connection is fatally flawed. We portray ourselves fictitiously and we interact with such fictitious portrayals. These exchanges are unaccompanied by a sense of synchrony. Thus, the social landscape is dangerous and cold. In his inaugural speech, Lincoln famously said, quote, We are not enemies, but friends. We must not be enemies. Though passion may have strained, it must not break our bonds of affection. The mystic cords of memory will swell when again touched, as surely they will be, by the better angels of our nature." Unquote. Well, if the research I've been discussing today is any guide, the only way to do that, to remember, to rediscover the better angels of our nature, is to get together, to return to the public square as such. We cannot synchronize with online avatars, we can only synchronize with one another. What forces are being mustered to drive us apart and why? In military codes of conduct, it is common to forbid fraternizing with the enemy. Sound familiar? Fraternizing, becoming brothers. Why shouldn't we? Because the leadership knows that if you and I meet in no man's land, exchange photographs and share a cigarette, we might become disinclined to put sharpened steel into one another. We might realize the absurdity of our enmity that we are fighting a disingenuous conflict. We might see that we have so much more in common with one another than we do with our own leaders. We might synchronize. Mm -hmm.